Everybody, welcome to another episode of the Fair Chase Podcast. Before we start this episode, we're going to again take a little time to thank a little bit of the people who helped make this show possible. First up is 2.0 Gear. Uh, it's a new brand that we just started partnering with. Uh, they make awesome uh, high-end technical uh, hunting clothes, camo. Um, and so they're based in Michigan yep. and a uh, new company. We've tested them for months. I tested them uh, in the whitetail season last year. Great Merino base layers. Yep. Great awesome Merino shells. Yep. Awesome a, new pattern. A great system for going out west, but we'll use it a ton in the, in the whitetail woods too. So really excited to work with them. 2ogear.com. Go check them out. Next up is Worldwide Trophy Adventures. Uh, it's it's an awesome, uh, basically, connection to outfitters all over the world. So as a lot of people know, good hunting ground is really hard to come by. And um, oftentimes, the best way to ensure that you're going to get in a good spot or you may, maybe you need to legally have a guide is to, to go through an outfitter. Mm -hmm. um, and so... As you might know, if you've heard us before, we've had good experiences and bad experiences with outfitters, uh, which means, you know, in order to ensure you're going to have a good experience, you have to do a ton of research. You have to talk to people. It's just a lot of messing around. Worldwide Trophy Adventures, or WTA, does a lot of this work for you at no charge. So by booking your trip through WTA, you can rest assured that you'll be in a good location with a reputable outfitter um, that they've certified and endorsed. If you're looking to book a trip of a lifetime like I am, mm -hmm. uh, just headed to a moose hunt here through WTA, you're going to want to check them out. Uh, go give them a call. Actually, I have the number right here. It's 1-800-346-8747 or check out their website at worldwidetrophyadventures.com. All right, so we love Trophy Line. They offer more than just saddles. Believe it or not, they have their own climbing sticks. They've got platforms. They've got a ton of extra packs. Gear. They've got packs. They've got everything. Knee pads. Everything that you're going to need to be a saddle hunter, they have it. So if you want to start saddle hunting this year and get into the game like everyone else and really love hunting even more, go to Trophy Line. Check it out. Use the code TFC10 to save yourself 10% on that purchase. We're big bow hunters. Uh, sights, quivers, stabilizers, those kind of things are really important if you're going to have a deadly setup. Um, and so we've tried a lot of different companies in the industry and we've kind of figured out that we really like Redline gear the best. So, um, we are shooting their torch sites this yeah, year. It's Joe a, Shore, it's a really cool, one. really cool site. Very, there's a lot of good micro adjustments you can make. You mm -hmm. can customize a lot of the stuff on there really make it your own. The chargeable USB rechargeable yeah, light is really sweet. Cool. Um, and so we're huge fans of their stuff. We use them all the time. It's worth going to check them out. Uh, check out Redline. Use the promo code TFC10 for 10% off your purchase. And uh, let us know what you think. We love them. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Fair Chase podcast. Uh, coming to you today, November 15. This is for anybody in Michigan, especially knows it's opening day. And I'm not out in the woods right now, um, which is a huge bummer. But I'm getting lots of pictures of other friends and Joe and Jared and all the other guys out hunting. So um, it's not like I'm jealous because, you know, I'm not. But I really do wish I was out there. Um, today, I've got Brandon from Montana Knife Company on, uh, on the line and super excited to talk to him. We've had uh, Josh on in the past. But um, given some of the things, Brandon, that you've been up to, I was like, man, we got to get you on just to talk about your background, who you are, and everything else. So before we dive into that, you want to just give an overview of who you are, what you do? Yeah, no, and that's always it's a great question, probably always one of the hardest questions for me <laughs> to do because, you know, currently right now, um, doing a lot, doing a lot of things, which is really good. You know, my background um, has always been in, um, 
you know, graphic designs, um, graphic design, uh, multimedia arts, um, you know, very young age, like 21, I got thrown into a marketing director position. Um, you know, that was in 2008 when the economy crashed. And yeah. you know, so, um, you know, I've always been in the marketing space. I've always loved it. I loved advertising, um, you know, and that's, you know, in a, in a way, that's how it kind of led me to Montana Knife Company. Um, you know, the beautiful thing about being in marketing is that you get to kind of choose what industry that you're in. Uh, based on what period in your life you're in, you know, so twenties, <laughs> yeah. you know, I was in a lot of stuff, you know, a lot of fitness industry stuff, um, you know, and then, you know, but I've always been, a, you know, into hunting. I've always been in the outdoors and always been yeah. into just getting outside and exploring. And, you know, like that's why we live in Montana, you know, cause it, to go just to get out and, um, you know, and that led us, you know, through friends and stuff like that, led Josh and I meeting and starting uh, Montana knife company, uh, three years ago feels like a decade ago, but it's wild that it's only been on the, truly on the books for three years. Well, that's, what's crazy. Cause it's, it, it, you guys, it's almost like you get to a point where it's like, you've been around forever and it just kind of, I, I feel like maybe that's what, what good marketing is. Cause all of a sudden it's like, Oh, I know these guys so well, you know, they've been doing this for, you know, I don't know, a decade and a half, who knows what, you know, how old Montana knife company is at this point. So um, I mean, just kind of a testament to uh, some of the work that you've done. Um, so you meet you, you meet Josh and like what you just like sit down and you're like, hey, let's start a knife company. Obviously, you know, for anybody who's listened, go back and check the episode out. I mean, he's made knives all over the world. He's made swords mm -hmm. for, you know, people in the, you know, I don't know, was it a prince in the Middle East or some crazy thing like that? Like he's, he had crazy stories, but like, how did you get to the, the point where like, hey man, uh, we need to make a USA made knife brand that's hunting. You know, this is something you and I had talked about in the past too, like hunting focused, um, not also makes hunting knives. Like how to get started. Right. Yeah. And that's the thing is like, no, we, we always joke that Montana knife company is a 30 year overnight success. Um, you know, because Josh started making knives at the age 11, you know, became a master bladesmith at the age 19, you know, through his twenties became one of the most, sought after knife makers in the world, like literally in the world. And like what you touched base on, you know, he's made knives for, you know, Saudi princes and stuff like that. He's <laughs> flown over to London, flown over to the Middle East and all this stuff to, you know, to, to do research on old styles of swords. And then and he came home and, you know, reproduced the sword and then brought it back over to, <laughs> it to him. Um, you know, he has all these wild stories, you know, he's always been making these super high end knives. Um, that are, you know, pieces of art that will, you know, inevitably be in, you know, honestly, museums and galleries and, you know, when we're all gone, yeah. you know, but, you know, his roots are still in Montana. His roots were in Lincoln, Montana. You know, he's always been a hunter and he's always made hunting knives, but he got to a certain point where, you know, he couldn't justify making a hunting knife even for his friend because it took away time from making these high-end knives, you know, yeah. you know that's the thing is like, you know, Josh is very humble about it, but you know, he was making knives that cost, you know, anywhere between 3000 to $30,000. So, you know, and it's, you know, it takes just as much time to make a, you know, the, the, like the finishing work of a simple carbon blade, you know, by hand, you know, it takes as much time as doing a Damascus knife, right? Um, obviously not including all the insane stuff that Josh adds to it, you know, with the inlays and like all that stuff. But in general, just to make a knife by hand, you know, he's, he was, you know, honestly, like taken away from his, you know, the big jobs and stuff like that. And, you know, 
we always, you know, he, he, when I met him, you know, he always had this idea of Montana Knife Company of, of solving that problem. Like, how do I make a knife that is that cuts just as well as my custom knives? But they're not three thousand dollars. They don't have gold inlays. They're not this high end Damascus, and they're actually something you like. You don't feel bad about taking out the sheath and cutting yeah. through or cutting a bell twine or opening up a box or cutting through a screen door um, and all that stuff. So, so, so that's like where the origin story of Montana Knife Company like really truly started. We're we're trying to solve a problem, and the problem was the entire knife industry was racing to the bottom of the barrel too at the same time they were mm. trying to make the cheapest knife possible for big box stores and it was almost like they were purposely making knives so cheap that you they weren't worth resharpening or they yeah. were doing disposable blades so that's the thing is like how do we bring back that culture of that that old timer knife that old case knife that old k-bar knife those old knives that your grandfather carried around and sharpened until the edge looked like almost like a yeah. weaver. Um, <laughs> but those are the knives that like people fight over. Yeah, you know, exactly. You fight over your replaceable blade knife that's made out of plastic. Like yep. there's no history in it. That blade is, you know, just as new as the newspaper. No soul. Yeah, there's no soul to it. So that was the other thing. It was like, okay, how do we make a knife that Josh designed that everybody wants? But then also too, like, how do we make a knife that is worth passing down for generations? And how do we make it a high enough quality that actually survives generations? And that's like re really where like everything kind of started. It was just like, we want to solve those two problems. But the biggest thing was, is like, we wanted to make knives that are worth keeping around and worth passing down because, you know, as, you know, as men, we don't really, you know, pass down many things other than, you know, guns, knives. Yeah maybe art and maybe an old car, you know, no one's going to, even though I carried my iPhone in my pocket in every single day, my grandkids are never going to fight over my iPhone 13. <laughs> I like They're that. never yeah. going to fight over my laptop. They're never going to fight over these things that we carry with us nowadays. Um, but the knife, you know, I bet they will fight over like one, a couple of these original MKCs that I have that I always carry, even though we have new models coming out all the time, you know, they're probably going to fight over those. And, you know, like that's just what we wanted to bring back, um, yeah. you know, and you also touch base on it too, is like the entire hunting knife market, you know, there was this massive exodus by the big, by the big companies, you know, because it was really hard to sell a hunting knife because you can't run paid ads. You can't pay yeah. for Google ads. You can't do all this stuff. So they couldn't be authentic, you know, and actually be able to sell knives to people because it was a subcategory of a subcategory because they're a right. company who puts an orange handle on it in September and tries to sell it to you as a hunting knife. Yeah. It's the same knife they're selling all year round. <clears throat> they're not putting any time. They're not putting any sweat. They're not going to expos. They're not teaching people how to hunt. And you know, the biggest thing too, is they're not trying to create new hunters. Like that's mm -hmm. our biggest goal is to create new hunters a lot of people you know sure like who's your competition is it benchmade is it gerbers all this stuff like to us our competition isn't the peers in our industry it's people who aren't hunters yet like we want yeah. to make them hunters and then teach them about good gear um kind of a long a little bit longer answer than you're looking for but like that's you know like that's kind of how the company started and that's like the the core pillars that we were trying to solve yeah you know neither Josh and I never expected this company to be what it was. 
Um, we never did this. We never looked down and looked at the math and wrote out the marketing and the when like, oh, we can make you know money off of this. Right. You know, it was always about like, how do we solve those three issues? And, you know, unfortunately enough, like we were, you know, it, it's worked out for us and worked out for the brand. All right. We're going to take a pause here real quick and just thank a few more guys and companies that help make this show possible. First up is Vortex. We can't say it enough. We love their glass. We love their binoculars, spotting scopes, range finders, their apparel. James, James is rocking a nice little hoodie here. They make awesome stuff. And if you guys are looking to make a purchase at Vortex, go over to their website and use the code TFC20 to save yourself 20% on the next purchase. That's a big, good discount. Use it. Head over there and get something. A bow makes a man. Does and, it? Yeah, that's what I was told. And we're we're big fans of, of prime bows. Shooting it for years. Michigan-based company. Uh, we're shooting their latest Revix series of bows. Mine's that 36 long boy. I'll generally year. take a few shots right back here and yeah. just. Yeah, we, we're huge fans. Smooth, uh, great balance. Um, they're, they're just go check them out. There's tons of technology. One of my favorite things that they have is their grip. Mm. Uh, space age space technology age. keeps your hand warm even when it's cold. Um, highly recommend go check out Prime Archery. Finally, Lathrop and Sons boots. Your feet kill animals. Like the more you walk, the more chances you have at, at getting that big buck, that big elk, moose, whatever it is. Uh, Lathrop and Sons have been kind of our go-to boot of choice for a while now. Um, we've put in a lot of miles, taken them all over the place. There's no leaking. It's comfortable. Stephen and James there, like, spent – they're, like, foot like, they're scientists. Ge- they're geniuses. I got messed up feet, and they basically will – you know, you take an imprint of your foot. They'll look at it, look at your arch, how wide it is, how narrow, how long, and they literally build the boot around your foot. So you're not going to a box store and picking up something that you hope is going to fit your boot. These things actually – are tailor-made to your foot. So they're super comfortable. Mine, I could I could walk all day in them. So if, if, if you're looking to and get a have. boot. If, <laughs> I have. If you're looking for a boot that's made for you and not somebody else, go check out Lake Turban Sons. Well, I, I like that about you guys too. And it, it is weird. It's like a good feeling. I, I, a good example of it is this. So we're in a new place. We built it, right, my house. <clears throat> uh, we got these custom cabinets, right? My wife wanted custom cabinets and laid out and the um the island is painted and the whole time i'm thinking like i i hate i hate this uh (laughs) because i'm gonna scratch it like i'm gonna ding it and she's gonna get mad at me like for sure like she's gonna be mad about it you're you're flying through stuff and it's true i am and so like i my whole life try to avoid things that i have to be delicate with because i'm just i'm not i'm not careful with anything that i use regularly so I've had, and I've had gear like the hunting gear like this, where it's like, got to be careful. Don't want to scratch this or, but what I have always liked and kind of, it just makes, gives me a warm feeling in my warm fuzzies, I guess you could say, um, a warm feeling in my warm fuzzies, warm feeling <laughs> in my heart or warm fuzzies, <laughs> um, is that I could just take it out there, you know, get, get it a little dinged up. Like I cut everything, you know, with my speed goat that, that I've got. Um, not, and, you know, sharpen it up and every scratch on there, I kind of, I kind of like it, you know, and it's like adds mm-hmm. to the character of what it is. You know, I just rewrapped, um, paracord on it, for example. And it's like, man, you know, like every time you do stuff like that with some of you, something of yours, it adds like, a like an emotional tie to it that I, I don't have to a lot of pieces of gear that I take out cause I'm switching it out or, you know, I'm sitting here, I'm looking, I've got, you know, like this 
GoPro thing that I take with. Like I've got, I could, I would forget what it looks like in a year, not think about it, not really care about mm-hmm. it. It's just whatever. Um, but when it comes to something like a knife or an old rifle or, or something like that, that somebody spent the time on uh, to get right, it's, it's cool. You know, yeah. then you get attached to it. It's, it's value is, is just different. It, it really is. And, and, and there's also something in our, it's, it's hard to deny. There's something in our DNA about knives. It's one of the oldest yeah. tools, something that was sharpish and kind of cut something, you know, was yep. it, you know, was it stone? Was it originally this, you know, there's all, you know, it goes the whole way back to prehistoric times. Like how do we, you know, pretty much cause a laceration. You know, we always joke that we're, we're not a knife company. We're a laceration company. We sell lacerations. Yep. Um, but no, but there, there's something to that. Um, you know, this, that's in our DNA. It's like an old wallet. It's like a cast iron pan. It's like yeah. a pair of really nice leather boots. Like you like, you like seeing, you know, things evolve. And like, you know, when I was in art school, um, I loved doing things that aged that almost had like a fourth dimension of time to yeah. it. But cool. I mean, so it's like something that wears out, something that looks different from the point when I hand it to someone and then a year later it looks completely different. And then if I hand it to someone else, it's gonna look completely different from the other one. Yeah. And there's something really cool about that. You know, it's like humanness that, in it. Cause that's it like, that's like me. I look next year, I got more gray hairs and you know, whatever <laughs> else. And you look different. You're a little more aged and weathered. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, and you know, like, and how, when we hand a knife to a hunter versus like, you know, someone that's in the military, like we've handed some speed goats out and we have this one speed goat, which is a video on YouTube and the knife looks so cool because the cuts are completely different than what our hunting knives look like. Yeah. Just because they're, I don't know what they're using it for, whatever they're doing, you know, yeah. it's just completely different. The paracord looks different. It's age different. The knife is age different. Um, just everything about it. And, you know, that's, that's what I think people really like about our company. You know, like we're not making disposable things. Yes. Our knives are expensive. They're fixed blades. They're probably yeah. one of the most expensive blades on the market, but also at the end of the day, you know, you are buying something for a future generation. Yep. That's the idea. Like you're buying something for life. Um, and then also too, you know, we also, we know that, that our knives cost that much and it's because we are making them in the United States, but we also back our knives. Yep. And what we want is a well-functioning knife for generations. So, you know, they, they have the chance to send it back to us in our generations program. And we completely, you know, we will clean it up. If the screws need replaced, we'll replace the screws and then we'll resharpen it. The one thing we'll never do is refinish it because what we're talking about is we want those scratches. Yeah. We want the scratches in it. We want the life in it and all that stuff. You know, people come back with a broken tip and we'll do our best to actually just reshape it instead of right. replace. They snap the knife in half, which happens because our knives are not screwdrivers. They're not. <laughs> no matter uh, how much you try to use them like it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll obviously replace it then. But, um, you know, like that's, that's the biggest thing is like, how do you make a product that, you know, enhances somebody's life? Yeah. You know, like the second they buy it, you know, their life is better in a very, 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 very small way. You know, yeah. it's mostly because of, you know, it just makes hunting better. You know, it makes breaking down an animal easier. You know, I, that's, that's the cool part about what we're doing. Yeah. No, and it's, it's, it's great. I love it. Um, because like it, it carries that story with it. You know, you look at it, it's like, man, man, I, I cut up, I remember when I cut up this buck with it and that was really, oh yeah. And then you think about that and then you, like every time you look at it, it's like you, it takes you, it's the same reason why like you hang 
you know, antlers on your wall. I mean, yeah. it's cool to show them off and everything, but I like it because I just like reminisce, you know, it just kind of yeah. brings you back to it and things that, that kind of tie you into that emotional space is pretty cool. Mm -hmm. um, you mentioned something kind of interesting. Uh, you're in a kind of a weird industry in, in the way that like you market, you know, so I just was talking about this with a friend of ours from a rifle manufacturing company and just how mm -hmm. difficult it is sometimes on social media, for example, to promote, to, to run ads and things like that. So, I mean, you have like head, like strong headwinds, you know, you're, you're headed into, uh, it's just a difficult spot to market. And yet, like we were talking about even prior to this, um, prior to recording, it's just, you guys have grown fast and your marketing is very, very like engaging and very um, exciting. And it's, you end up feeling like you, you know, you guys well. So, um, you know, you come from a marketing background, you have this unique challenge. What was your, how, like, what was your plan? Is this what you planned all along? Is this kind of how you hope to do it or, or this kind of evolved? No, it, it, it definitely evolved. Um, but I, I did bring a lot of stuff from past lives. So I, you know, I spent a lot of time in the fitness industry. Yeah. Um, you know, I was in the supplement industry for a while and they, they had the same restrictions, couldn't run Facebook ads, couldn't do all that stuff. Um, but you know, if I give any advice to anyone that's in our place, you know, obviously the reason why you're proud to talk about your company is because you have a really good product. We have an absolutely amazing product. And our biggest success for sales and marketing <clears throat> is that our product is so good, it makes people want to buy multiples. So yep. our average customer, you know, has anywhere between two and a half to three knives. The average customer, more people own multiple MKC knives than they own one. And that is contributed to the guys downstairs. That's contributed to Josh's design, you know, because I always say, like, I can sell anybody one knife. Yep. But that one knife sells the second knife and the third knife and the fourth knife. Um, so in, in, in like when we're, you know, when you're marketing brands like this, you know, a lot of people get caught up in trying to sell a product or try to sell, you know, things. But what if you notice, like, I don't talk a lot about the products. Mm -hmm. I let the products talk for themselves. Yeah. You know, I let the reviews do that. You know, we have 10,000 reviews on our website in three years, which is insane. Yeah. You know, yeah. Well, what, what I try to push is like the culture, the brand, like all of that stuff. Facebook's never going to flag me about screaming about American manufacturing and doing the right thing and playing, paying employees correctly, um, you know, and all that stuff. So, you know, you almost this, I mean, this is a big deeper question, which is like, where's, the, where's the, the economic world of marketing going in the next couple of years, especially yeah. with the rise of AI and all this stuff, you know, I think what's really going to happen is you're going to see, the brands that take a step back and go a little bit more grassroots roots approach that actually have a face of the brand, someone like yeah. Josh, um, you know, that actually has like a real identity, someone you can actually reach out to and talk to someone who's actually going to expo, someone who's actually going on hunts with customers. Um, you know, it's almost like, you know, the roles are going to completely flip when most people think that AI is going to completely take over, make everything easier. <laughs> I think AI is going to be easier to spot. And I think what's going to happen is the brands that have the most real life in them, like us, you know, that are run literally by 35 people here in Montana, um, are, are the ones that they're going to win. You know, it's just like, who, where do you want to spend your money with? Do you feel like your money's getting spent in the right places with companies with the right values? That's yeah. the other thing too, is like, you know, when you're supporting, you know, companies from overseas, 
you don't know where your money's going. Your money could literally be going as bad as, you know, worst case scenario into the, you know, foreign government that actually is planning on trying to kill your grandkids. Yeah, you know? right. It yep. sounds crazy, but it's actually it's true. Yeah. It's, you know, because every corporation, you know, overseas, you know, especially in China and some of the larger Asian, Asian countries, you know, they're all, you know, you know, country owned, government owned and stuff like that. So, you know, just really honestly thinking about where your money's going, um, you know, that's the, you know, like tomorrow we have the governor of Montana coming to our company. We're a three-year-old company. Yeah. <laughs> Governor's going to take a tour of our facility. You know, like that doesn't happen. You know, yeah. but it's also because, you know, he just, you know, he hears we're doing the right things, you know, and we're also becoming, you know, you know, a lot of people and, you know, you know, think that, you know, Montana's getting kind of like um, exploited. But <laughs> the thing is, is what they don't know is that there's companies like us that are just importing, you know, literally importing tons and tons of, you know, tax revenue to the yeah. state itself, yep. because we're actually technically considered an exporter to the other 49 states. <laughs> right. And I think that's why the government is like excited because it's like, oh, yeah, we like that. Yeah. Tax money to Montana versus, you know, the opposite. So, yeah. Well, and I, I like, I like the repeat purchases idea. I mean, it does sell itself. It's just a great example of this. I, uh, <clears throat> we're, and actually when this podcast goes out, I don't know if the film will almost be out or out yet, but we're in BC doing a, a moose hunt filming it. My guide, I kept, I was, I had the super, I have my, uh, my uh speed goat and i have my uh super cub and like i i like that I, that was just like it's just a cool knife like it's just a big cool knife you know yeah. so i'm using it for whatever and the whole time like i could see my guy kind of like eyeballing it and stuff and like i just made note of it at the end I, i'm like hey you know he i mean he was fantastic led it on a great mm -hmm. hunt it led me on a great hunt just taught me a ton was willing to just answer all the questions i had which is cool of him um so I'm like, Hey, gave him the knife. And like, it was a huge deal. And like, again, his interest in it was just seeing it being used. And the dude is like the most gear savvy guy I've probably ever met. Like he had an opinion about everything, uh, right. but he sees me with that knife and you could just see him kind of like looking at him like, all right, you know, this seems like a no brainer, uh, for kind of just putting me on a, you know, bull of a lifetime in a, you know, trip of a lifetime and everything else. So just kind of, again, going back to it, it's like, it does sell itself. You see this thing, you hold it and it's like, dang, that is like, yet you said it is more expensive, but things in life that are worthwhile that stick around mm -hmm. a long time are, you're not buying a bunch of them. You're buying it once and you're sharpening it, you know? Right. Right. No, and I love that. And, and like that scenario, it's, it's actually really funny because it's like, I've always like wanted to figure out how to, how to spin that. It's like the most, like we, we hear that story so much about guides trying to like either yeah. low key mooch the knife off the car. <laughs> hey. yeah. um, but you know, or as far as, you know, we, we actually sent a bunch of knives down, you know, with the photographer down to Africa and he's like literally every single one of the guidesmen were trying to steal the knives or walk <laughs> off with them politely is, is how we put it. Yeah. Um, just because like, you know, and it's, that's, that's the type of knife that we made. That's the original knife that Josh and I, well, Josh designed was the Blackfoot 2.0. Yep. The goal that, you know, we thought we were only ever going to make one knife and one knife only. And there was going to be the Blackfoot 2.0. It's kind of like the Eddie cooler. You just need one. Yep. And the idea behind that knife was, can we make a knife that we can hand to any hunter on any hunt anywhere in the world? <laughs> and that's that Blackfoot 2.0. You know, because like we made the very first model that we made was meant to be for like Alaska sheep guides. 
Like, you know, it's it's a fixed blade, but it's super light. It still yep. has hard handles. And then we made the speed goat because they want it even lighter. We're like, we can do that. Of course, easy, yeah. <laughs> obviously. But, you know, the Blackfoot, you know, 1.0, like that was the whole point was like, we wanted to make a knife that we could confidently hand to someone going to Alaska for two weeks. And this is the only knife. You don't need a backup. You know, obviously one is none, two is, you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, you know, the idea is like, can you make something like that? And that's, you know, I would look at another, a bunch of other, you know, knife company owners in the eyes and say, do you have the confidence to hand one of your knives to someone who this knife, there might actually have to depend their life on. Yeah, um, for you know, sure. And that we really stand behind and we've also been in the scenarios. That's the other thing. Yeah. Too, you know, um, you know, our, and, and I'd feel like this podcast is turning an MKC, you know, marketing pitch, but, you know, we, we are, we're just really proud of what we're doing right now. And, you know, it's just, the more we get into this industry, you know, and the more we kind of uncover about like, you know, a lot of hunting knife companies and a lot of, you know, aren't owned by hunters at the very, very top. Once you start yep. looking back into their, their portfolio of investors and their subsidiaries and like all this stuff, like, you know, Josh and I own this company. We, try to hunt as much as possible. It's insane. Now that we own a hunting knife company, we probably hunt less than we hunted when we had day jobs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, but you know, like that's, that's our thing is like, you know, we're making knives for ourselves first. If we wouldn't carry it, we won't put it out. Simple as that. I love that. Well, yeah. and you know, you say it's, I don't mean it to be a, a marketing thing. And if people are listening, get a problem with that. I, these are just questions that I have. I love yeah. I say this all the time on the podcast, but I'm selfishly podcast a lot because I just get the ch a chance to ask the things that I wonder. People yeah. like it great. If not, you know, skip to the next one, whatever. Uh, so um, a question for you, you know, basically what I've noticed about you guys is kind of you come out with these batches. Yep. So do you, is it like you just make a batch of knives, like you get a set number, you try to sell out and you do, is that kind of how that goes? I, I asked, I was watching the, the whitetail one recently, yeah. which is a cool knife, like a cool idea. How does that go? Yeah. So it actually started out of, out of pure necessity because, you know, the first batch was as much, as much we, it was literally the minimum run that we can get cut, you know, which was just like a couple hundred at the time. And that's all Josh <clears throat> can afford. Cause we, you know, when we started this company, we zero investors, every, we put everything on credit cards and literally we're like, okay, let's just buy a couple hundred. Yeah. And yeah literally sold them. Then we went and bought double that. And, but the problem is, is that, you know, getting steel was actually really hard because we launched this company during peak COVID. Like I'm talking, you know, it launched in July. We really started getting things moving like the April before. And like, that's like when everything was in full lockdown, you know, yep. everybody was just in you know, the steel that we use is actually tool quality steel. It's, you know, carbon 52100. You know, they actually use that ball bearings. They use it in a lot of, you know, like machine stuff and stuff like that. So, all the steel supply started getting bought up by the government, foreign entities, like all this stuff. So just America was just cleaned of the sheets of steel that we actually needed. But we were able to piece together some here and there. And we were literally buying not steel off of defunct knife companies. And <laughs> it was a total, you know, kind of a crap show of the first six to 12 months of our, you know, of us trying to start an MKC was literally us just trying to find steel. Yeah. Um, and it was wild because, you know, we have, we would have customers like, you know, and I, God bless them. We love them for it, but they would try to send us like 
old shock springs and like <laughs> i love that like, that's amazing thank you we appreciate it but but we need a specific type of steel for yeah knives are and um so you know to answer your question what happened was you know we were doing these batches and they it would be a month to three months in between the first couple drops so i still had a market and i still had to get the name out and but like you know when you have three months of marketing and you're not <laughs> selling and you start building yeah. up of, you know, um, need and stuff like that. So we'd launch them and, you know, they were selling out in a minute, two minutes, three minutes for the first year and stuff like that. And, but every time we did a new reorder, we started ordering more and more. And then we started trying to order more in between. And then we started developing new knives. And now, you know, everyone's like, oh, is that manufacturer? Are you doing it on purpose? No. I mean, like we're literally trying to get as many knives in stock on our website as possible. Right. Um, I'm actually about to send out a web uh, email to our VIPs, letting them know that like all of our in-stock knives are probably not going to be in stock by mid-December, just because of how much demand has yeah. kicked up over hunting season. But you know, like right now, you know, even with you know 20 people downstairs staffed, you know, we're only able to make so many knives a week, and that's still behind demand. So, <laughs> you know, so a lot of these drops, you know, these drops are literally as many knives we can make in a week, and you know. In the summer, we were kind of a couple weeks ahead, but now we're literally making chef knives for the drop on Tuesday. <laughs> like, oh, seriously? There's right now. <laughs> for what's literally going to go on the website Tuesday. And then right after that, you know, we have a field craft survival knife drop that we haven't even started yet. And oh, then really? after that, we have another drop. And, you know, we have every single drop planned out for the next, you know, year, year and a half because um, we need that for production and like all that yep. stuff. But like, we're not able to get caught up and we're even though that we're hiring one to two people a week we're still trying to catch up insane and and you know elon i don't know if you listen to the elon musk podcast with joe rogan you know he literally spent the first 30 minutes talking about how hard manufacturing is he's like anyone can invent something anyone can develop one product anyone can you know sell one product but go try to make a hundred thousand of them (laughs) right and that's that's the beautiful thing about Montana Knife Company is that those original 1.0 you know Blackfoots that Josh made practically by hand in his shop are just as good as the Blackfoot 2.0 you know that we make thousands of in a year. And there's absolutely no difference between those two, you know. And the analogy I always use is like your mom might make the best lasagna in the world, but when she has to make it for a thousand people. Yeah. Quality is probably going to go down, um, or you know, it might be cold. That's exactly right. Yeah. You know, so, 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 so that's like you know, that's the things like people don't understand manufacturing um, and how hard it really is. You know, our, we have a chief operating officer, Andrew, that we pulled from Amazon, and you know, we spent you know, I think ten or thirteen years in the military. Like, he's brought so much structure to the business to help us get to this point. Um, but. Yeah, the the drops are still actually purely based off how many knives we can make. That way. <laughs> so, so you guys, you're obviously obviously a lot of planning. You're you're planned out a year and a half. So you, I'm guessing that's new designs, that's releases of old designs. You got anything uh, cool in the pipeline? Yeah. Can you talk so, about anything? Yeah. No. Oh no. Definitely. Like so. I mean, some things are starting to get teased out there a little bit, but you know. We, we have some really big collaborations coming up next year, which we're super stoked about, um, you know, and then we're also going to be doubling down on our culinary knives. Cool. And the idea is now is that, you know, Montana Knife Company is, you know, they're, 
we have, we have working knives for working people, but then our also other slogan is going to be from first blood to last bite. And cool. the goal is to actually have a knife from the entire process of processing a deer or an elk. You know, eventually we might get into broadhead so we can actually have that real first blood. Oh, cool. Yeah, I like but that. That's still way down the road. But the idea is like, how do we have you know, the knife for, you know, for processing in the field? How do we have the knives for deboning and breaking down in your garage? How do we have the knives for your kitchen, you know, your culinary sets? And then yeah. how do we have steak knives? So the idea is to not be the biggest knife company in the world, but to the people that appreciate our company, like how do we replace every knife in their ecosystem with an American-made quality knife? Um, you know, I always joke that like our culinary sets are, you know, they're, they're not what you would purchase from your you know, on your, uh, your wedding. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's not on, you know, I'm getting that on Amazon or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, but no, like next year we're going heavy into culinary, um, you know, but also too, we have a ton of great, you know, um, like hunting knives coming out. And then also too, we're going to start like flirting with, you know, some like tactical and self-defense knives too. Yeah. So fun. I mean, yeah. I, well, now that I've kind of gotten kind of snobby about knives, I'll look at some of the knives I have, like my old knives laying around, like in total disgust. You know, I can't, I can't even believe I own that stupid <laughs> knife. You know, uh, <clears throat> that, that's that's really cool. So you've got a lot, a lot of stuff coming up. Um, mm -hmm. You know, as you kind of look to the future, like personally, you, um, I mean, you got hunts planned. Like you got stuff coming up. Like what are you, what are you coming up on? That's you know. I, I, I was very, very fortunate and very lucky this year. You know, I had a really cool um, BC bear hunt. Um, I actually went up there with John Dudley, um, got my first black bear. Um, so it's just stoked there. Had an amazing trip in Alaska, got a, got a black tail, um, which is awesome because I went to Alaska two years ago, got skunked on a black tail hunt. Oh. So, was it Kodiak know, or where'd you go? I, I did I did Kodiak the first time. And then this time was like Southern Alaska around Sitka Island, Kuyu. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yep. Uh, it was absolute blast it was with a charter called thanks alaska um you know we fished and you know got to hunt blacktail it was literally seven of the craziest days of my life um you know and then i, I just came back from a really nice whitetail hunt with the nozzler crew saw um, that yeah in texas absolutely one of the funnest hunts um but you know next year i'm literally just going to try to block off my hunts for montana it's crazy like how many it. times i don't feel here just because i'm spending so much time you know, either working or promoting the brand or going on like other hunts. And I don't want it to sound like I'm complaining about it, but I also too want to make sure that I'm, you know, hunting at home yeah. where it was, I love, you know, with the places I love to hunt. And, you know, I'm also, you know, real close to my father-in-law and that's something that me and him always do is go hunt. And, you know, people are like, what's your dream hunt? I was like, honestly, it's just not in my hunting elk in Montana with my yeah. father. You know, it doesn't get better than that. Like the, there's something about your own place, you know? Yeah. Like that's, we, we talk about that a lot internally, like, like we'll go lots of places in the year, um, you know, and it's really, I, I mean, the best, it's so cool. But like, when it comes to like, it, all of a sudden it's like October and it's like, I, I just, and I know we don't, Michigan doesn't have the biggest bucks, but like, I love it here. And I, yep. I like the, my puzzle that I like to work on all my deer puzzle. That's really what I, I like to think of it as like, I, hopefully if I complete the puzzle, I filled my tags and, you know, I've done my thing, but it's like. I know it's not Iowa or whatever, you know, but it's, it's just awesome. I love it here. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm right there with you. And, and that's what, you know, it's, it's, it's with, with the people who are on the hunt to make it yeah. just as good as what you're hunting, you know? Yep. 
Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, hey, we're, we're coming up on time here. Um, for people who are listening, they want to get uh, maybe up to date on drops or follow what you guys are putting out or, or kind of even just follow along. Um, how, what's the best way for, for them to do that? Yeah, no, I, I appreciate that. You know, obviously just follow Montana Knife Company at, you know, on Instagram, just our full, you know, our full company name. Um, you know, and then also to just sign up for our email list, our text message list, you know, us being a knife company, you know, we honestly look at Instagram and Facebook as like every day is our last day on that platform. We don't yeah. know it's going to change. Um, you know, we've seen, you know, fellow companies get pulled, obviously firearms company get pulled every single day, yeah. you know, blacklisted, all that stuff. We've been lucky enough to kind of stay out of their radar. Um, you know, my Instagram is Brandon Haraho. Um, you know, you can find me, ask me any questions. Um, and just DM us. Like, honestly, you know, you know, we, we, we just hired someone who is just our customer experience person. And that all he does is just answers DMs, comments, reviews, stuff like that. Cause we want a real person answering those questions. We're never going to you know, farm that out to AI and stuff like that. But our biggest thing is like, just come ask us a question. We want to know who you're, you know, what you're hunting, what you like to do, what type of knife you're looking for. And we're, we're always just trying to help people as much as possible. Yeah, no, that's awesome. It is. It's a big deal to to call in and, or to write in and talk to somebody who actually hunts and cares about. Like, I have the time you call in, and like you're gonna get like, well, you know, what are you hunting? And like, you get in the conversation about the hunt. You know, I, we, yeah. we work with a few few people that do the same thing, and it's just like it's refreshing and it's cool. You know, it's it makes it a lot more a better experience. So yeah, appreciate you coming on, Brandon. Everybody, go check them out. Um, we have a film actually that we uh, worked on with Montana Knife Company that is coming out in the spring uh, on a bear hunt we did. Got to put your knives to the uh, test on a few different sorts of animals, I guess I can say right now. So anyways, uh, stay tuned for that. Brandon, like I said, thank you again. Uh, looking forward to keeping in touch. Awesome. Thanks, James. Appreciate it, man. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to this episode. We really do appreciate it. If you want to go on to any kind of social media platform, give us a like, share, subscribe. You know, it really helps us out. Keeps the train rolling. And if you guys really like what you're listening here, give us a five-star Either way, if, even if you don't like it. Even if you don't like review. it, five stars. That'd helps cool. everyone out. We'll see you out there.